How many of you like feeling hopeless? I can't stand feeling hopeless. It's like, you know, top three things I can't stand. I have a long list of things I can't stand, but it's in the top three, feeling hopeless. And I want to actually drill down this morning into this idea of hope. See, we are here on Easter Sunday. Some of you were here on Good Friday. This morning, I want to actually drill down into Saturday. I think Saturday doesn't get enough press. We kind of skip over Saturday and head straight for the hot cross buns on Sunday. But there's something to be learned about Saturday. There's something to be learned about hope and hopelessness from Saturday. And actually, we like switching things up a little bit here at Elevate. Rather than diving straight into preaching about Jesus, although I'll get to him. He's kind of a big deal around here, especially on Easter Sunday. I want to actually rewind right back to the first book of the Bible, the book called Genesis. And look at a little, well, not a little, pretty significant chapter of of the life of one of the early rock stars, a guy named Abraham. Abraham was such a rock star that many thousands of years later, people were still talking about him. People were still writing about him. And in fact, one of the early church rock stars, a guy named Paul, 2,000 years ago, wrote kind of a headline piece kind of a a few lines summarizing the headlines of Abraham's life from many thousands of years before. Look, let me dive straight into that. Let me give you Paul's headlines recounting the life of Abraham. This is what Paul wrote. He wrote to the church in Rome. Abraham was first named father and then actually became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with a word, make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, hate that, Abraham believed anyway, deciding not to live on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he made, was made the father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're gonna have a big family, Abraham. Paul was writing to the Italians. They understood big families. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence. Yes, Paul really said that. And say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old buddy could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God. Sure that God would make good on what he said. That's a pretty impressive highlight reel, right? It's a pretty impressive set of headlines. Imagine if that was written about you. Thousands of years after you've popped your clogs, someone sits down and writes the headline story about your life, and it looked something like that. Regan dared to trust God to do only what God could do, raise the dead to life. When everything was hopeless, Stewie believed anyway. Reese lived not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. Jess didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. Jordan, for sure, plunged into the promise and came up strong. That would be cool. Problem is, headlines can be misleading. 
See, headlines don't tell the whole story. There's always a backstory behind the headlines. I woke up this morning, checking on see how the Gold Coast Suns did. I had a friend of a friend who plays in the Gold Coast Suns, and I wanted to see how they did. First match of the season against Melbourne. They probably won Melbourne. Uh, and, the, and, 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 and the headlines in the age said, Ablett's Suns go down against Melbourne. Ah, oh, bugger. They gave Gary Ablett a lot of props. Gary Ablett, you know, kicked the most goals for the Gold Coast Suns, had the most possessions for the Gold Coast Suns. They, they talked about that and they mentioned, but they lost and Melbourne won. This, this, this story was about Gary Ablett Jr. Because Gary Ablett Jr., uh, late in the season last year, found his shoulder suddenly down next to his elbow during one of the games and was out for the rest of the season. Spoiled his probable Brownlow chances that season and started him on a course of surgery and rehab. So this morning, you could read the headlines about Gary Ablett Jr., about kicking the most goals for the Suns, about having the most possessions for the Suns, but it doesn't tell the whole story. In fact, it misses the backstory. Now, Gary's a friend of a friend of ours, and so we get some sort of behind-the-scenes access to what it's been like for him for the last six to eight months with the rehab. With the... If you've ever done rehab, rehab is so boring, so unglamorous. They make you do stuff that should not be allowed to be done in public because it looks so stupid. But he did all of that. Headlines don't tell the whole story. And, and I so I wonder if, if Abraham was to have come back and read what Paul said about him. You know, Abraham, like Gary Ablett Jr., you made it look easy. I wonder if Abraham would have said, Really? Well, let me tell you something, Paul. It wasn't easy. In fact, if you knew the backstory, you'd know there was a lot of stuff in my life that wasn't easy. And while I appreciate the props in the headlines, there was a backstory. And I just want to, this morning, take a few moments and give you a little bit of a, a look into that backstory. It's pretty wild. In fact, I... I I think Abraham had one of the longest Saturdays ever recorded. The story picks up when Abraham was 75 years old already, and his wife was 65 years old. God appeared to him and spoke to him and said, Abraham, 75 years old, you and your wife, Sarah, 65 years old, you're going to have a child And through your offspring, you are going to be the father to many nations. And what I want you to do to get this promise kick-started, for you to arrive at where I'm going to meet you and, and fulfill this promise, I want you to get moving. In fact, I want you to leave the land that you've been raised in, the land of your forefathers, the land of your business, the land of your friends, the land of your comfort zone, and I want you to go to a place I will show you. Now, I've said this before, but I reckon God, I don't, I don't like that about God. Go, it's like, it's like he was playing a bit of a prank, you know, candid camera on Abraham. I want you to go, where? To a place I will show you. What? So he left. He started going to this place that God would show him. What's important to understand 
about God is God doesn't always show us before he asks us to go. There's a huge faith element in following God. It's risky. It's daring. It sometimes doesn't make sense. Plus, as you're about to see, to leave where you are, to go to where God wants us to go, doesn't always take us in a straight line. Sure, zoom out on Google Maps, and, and, and when you get there, you, it might sort of look straight-ish, but when you're in there, when all you can see is the next few steps ahead, it's not a straight line, and it wasn't a straight line for Abraham. In fact, the writer picks up the story 11 years later. Abraham's now 86 years old, still no son. God had promised him, still no son. Fair enough. I don't hold it against Abraham, but he's now getting a little bit discouraged. A little bit restless. A little bit, God, and he said these words, you said, dot, 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 but I don't see. Abraham was sure he heard God, but nothing had materialized. It's very hard to hold on to hope in this season. It's very hard to hold on to hope on the Saturday between Friday and Sunday. Sometimes weeks pass, months pass, and in Abraham's case, years pass. Well, God's cool. He don't mind us shaking his fist at him sometime. He's a pretty big boy. So Abraham's shaking his fist. You said, but I don't see. And God didn't like, oh, settle down. He's like, okay, all right. Abraham, go outside. Go outside. Go outside of your tent. I want you to look up and I want you to count the stars in the sky. Okay. All right, God. Like as if God didn't know how many there were. All right, God, I'll do it just because, you know. One, two, three, four, five, six. God, I get it. Lots of stars. All right, good. Right. God said to Abraham, 86 years old, been waiting for God's promise of a child to materialize for 11 years now. <laughs> Longest Saturday in history. God said, see the stars in the sky? Your descendants are going to be as numerous as them. Well, Abraham got his hopes up again. Good. Now, <laughs> more years passed, still no child. So, like some of us, Abraham decided to take matters into his own hands. Got a little bit tired of waiting on God. God, you know, yeah, I, I believe I heard you, but you're taking your jolly sweet time. In fact, I'm a little bit tired of waiting. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend the night with some Barry White music on in the background with my wife's maidservant. And we're going to, you know, make babies. So that's what he did. Took one for the team. And that's uh, what it said. And they gave his wife's servant gave birth to a son, but the son wasn't how God promised things would happen. Well, fast forward now. Abraham's now 99. It's not only that his biological clock had been ticking for a while, it had actually fallen off the wall at this point. 
still no son, losing hope, God intervened again, reminded him of the promise to be the father of many nations. What did Abraham do? Abraham cracked up laughing. Abraham's wife, who by this stage was 90 years old, cracked up laughing. Because <laughs> this is the days before they'd invented those little white pills. He didn't have a plan B. Abraham said to God, are you sure? I'm 100. Sarah's 99. Uh, typo, 90. I'm 100 and Sarah's 90. And you're still telling me that we're going to not only have a, a son, but be the father of many nations. Doesn't make sense to me. Abraham had been in the waiting room for nearly 25 years, quarter of a century. Being in the waiting room is hard enough, right? Living in this time between God's promise and God's delivery. But Abraham wasn't just in the waiting room, flipping through old editions of Women's Weekly. Abraham was in the waiting room where his circumstances appeared to be going in the opposite direction to God's promise. And that's even harder to take. So while Abraham and Sarah are cracking up laughing, are you sure? I love God's response. He asked them a question. Is anything too hard for God? I mean, it was a rhetorical question. Abraham, Sarah, yeah, I I, I know you're 100. I know, I can count. And Sarah, I know you're 90. I've been, I've been, I, I, I get it. And I know that I made the promise to you 25 years ago. I know. And keep count. I get it. And I know that 25 years is a long time to wait for anything, especially when you're getting older, especially when biology seems to suggest this is never going to happen for you. But let me ask you a question, Abraham. Let me ask you a question, Sarah. Is anything too hard for God? Now, is that what you would have said to Abraham if you were one of his mates around him at that time? He'd said, when you were 75, hanging out at primary school, He said, hey, God just promised us that we're going to have a child and be the father of many nations. And you go, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, good, great. 25 years later, it hasn't happened. You're Abraham's buddy. What would you say to him? He's still waiting. I I think it would be okay. I think it might even be sound advice. I think you might even be a good friend if you said to him, you know what, Abraham? Mate, don't get your hopes up. Right? I mean, it's okay. Don't get your hopes up. I mean, have you ever said that to someone? Have you, have you ever had someone say that to you? Don't get your hopes up. Well, the problem is, when you lose hope, you lose everything. Don't you? We lose energy. We lose perspective. We lose a sense and a desire to keep going, to keep trusting. We, we, we give up on Sunday when we lose hope on Saturday. Well, God says to Abraham and he says to us, you know what? Get your hopes up. Yeah, I know you've waited 24 years, about to be 25, but I'm trying to teach you something about hope. And I believe every year Easter is a reminder that God wants us 
to learn and be reminded of something about hope. See, the interesting thing about Friday, Friday for Jesus' believers, they were standing around a cross where the guy they'd put all their hopes and dreams in was hanging there, dying. Not only dying, but some of his last words were, it is finished. If you were standing around that cross hearing him say out loud, it is finished, I think it would be fair enough for you to say to your people around you, it's finished, don't get your hopes up. But on Saturday, that waiting room is an opportunity to learn something about hope because nothing gets stronger unless it's got something to push against. It's true of muscles. You don't get bigger muscles by just going to the gym. (laughs) I just swiped my barcode and boom! No, no. No, lift heavy stuff. Some of you are writing that down right now, I know. Why? Nothing gets stronger without resistance, not a muscle, not a marriage, not a dream. Nothing gets stronger without resistance. And often we live in the gap between God said and whoop, there it is. And it's in that gap, what I'll call Saturday, where it's easy to give up hope. It's easy to quit. Abraham's story is a reminder that we need to get our hopes up. Is anything too hard for God? Jesus' death and resurrection is a reminder that we can get our hopes up. I've been leading churches for a couple of decades now. And... uh, I meet a lot of people who have become convinced that God's able. See, he he, he asks this rhetorical question. Is anything too hard for God? I meet a lot of people who are struggling to keep their hopes up, not because they don't trust in God's ability, but because through time and circumstances, they've lost trust in God's willingness. Oh, yeah, I bet he can. But I got to tell you, after 25 years, it doesn't seem that he will. Oh, he's able, sure, God. Is anything too hard for God? No. Not too hard for him, but he seems to be holding back. Jesus' followers had, had a limited understanding on the Friday that that wasn't the end of the story. They didn't have the full picture. and, and It's one thing to say it. It's another thing for it to actually happen. So that day, that Saturday between Friday and Sunday, the second day, his followers had become hopeless. 25 years of waiting for God to fulfill his promise that he made when Abraham was 75, when he was about to become a centenarian. It was a heck of a long Saturday. Yeah, sure, God, I know. You're able. Question I started to ask is, are you willing? Well, faith doesn't mean that we we ignore the facts. Faith means that we view the facts as they are without giving up hope that God actually 
is willing and able to do what he promised he'll do. I'm going to land this this morning by just unpacking this word glory. We've themed these weeks around Easter weekend, the hope of glory. What's glory? Joking with the team members this morning. Glory is not a word we use very often. It came up a lot this week. Glory breached their salary cap if you followed the soccer. But apart from that, we, we we don't hear this word too often. We don't use it. When's the word, you know, turn up to work on Monday morning. Morning, everyone. Glory. You know, you know. No, you get fired for stuff like that because you It's kind of a churchy word, although even then, I mean, we kind of just throw it out there. Glory to God. Yeah, God, we give you the glory. Well, what is the glory? What are we giving him? Huh. Does he even want it? <laughs> I don't want it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm giving you, God. How would I know if you want it? I don't even know if I want it. Word glory means weight, not the weight that Abraham had to do, W-A-I-T, not the weight that Jesus had to go through three days, W-A-I-T, not the weight that Jesus' followers had to go through from Friday to Sunday, but weight. Funny thing about the English language, that both words sound the same, but they're not. Weight, W-E-I. G-H-T. Glory means weight. It means we give God and his word and his promise more weight than what we see. I know you said it, God. On Friday, Sunday's coming and I don't see it and I'm starting to lose hope. The antidote is weight. Give God more weight than what you see. Don't deny it. It's not here. It's not here. But I'm not going to lose hope. I'm going to continue to give him the weight. I got one more question to ask you this morning. I'm just going to ask it in a moment.
So my last question this morning is for those of you that have actually never made a decision to put your trust in Jesus. We want to give you that opportunity right now. An empty tomb is a gift to you. It's a gift to me. Because it meant that Friday wasn't the end of the story. An empty tomb means that Jesus didn't stay dead. It meant that even if you've given up hope on Saturday, that you can have your hope restored on Sunday if you understand what Jesus has done for you and for me. The whole idea of Easter is that on Friday, Jesus died on a cross. And whilst he said, it is finished, he didn't ever say, I am finished. In fact, (laughs) he was about to demonstrate his love for us, not just dying for us, but also rising again on the Sunday, on the third day. And he did that so that you and I can have a relationship with God. For those of you, I know many of you have actually chosen to put your trust in Jesus. Great, me too. But for those of you that haven't, there's an opportunity right here, right now to do that. And I want to strongly encourage you to do that. It's kind of an empty word on that video. Spin that metaphor a few ways, but maybe that's how you've felt. Maybe you've felt you've been living in a perpetual Saturday. Something missing. Feeling hopeless, purposeless, lacking vision, lacking a sense of what am I here for? Well, I'm, I want to encourage you to think about Sunday is the answer to that. Jesus gives hope, Jesus gives purpose, Jesus gives direction. The empty tomb wasn't the end of the story. If you've never put your faith in Him, if you've never said, Jesus, I want to trust you, I actually believe. You are not just an historical figure, but you're actually who you claim to be, the Son of God. Then in a moment, I want you to put your hand up. And really, just putting your hand up, you're saying, God, that's my decision today. I, today, am going to make the decision to put my trust in you. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we're just going to pray, just sort of all together where you're seated. But think about that. We're glad you're here. If you've never made this decision, I mean, we are glad you're here really we do everything for you great coffee which you'll find out more about in a moment great music quality videos etc 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 some guy prattling on for 20 minutes we do this for you because we really really want to see you Make this decision, yes, right here, right now. To say, yes, Jesus, I want to put my faith in you. I want to, I will right now trust and follow you. So look, I don't want to drag this out, but I don't want you to miss this opportunity either. If you've never made that decision to put your trust in Jesus, it's Sunday. No better time. How about you just slip your hand up? And when I see your hand, you can put it down. Great. Who else? Slip your hand up real quickly. When I see you, you can put it down. Who else? Seen a couple of hands already. There's no CCTV. <laughs> this is just a decision between you and God, but, you know, and we don't badger and pressure, but I don't want you to miss this up either. So just one more time. I'm going to look across our auditorium. Just slip your hand up if that's you this morning.
You've never made that decision, but you know that this is your day. And when I see a hand, you can put it down. Great. Let's pray. Those of you that are first-time guests aren't churchy people. It's cool. We're not real churchy either. Well, we are, but just without the boring bits. Um, how about we all pray this prayer? And look, if you're not comfortable praying it, that's cool. We'll just, but those of you maybe that have made this decision to follow Jesus, say these words. Those couple of people that put your hands up, how about you say these words? Make this your prayer. This is, you're going to say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. God, he kind of listens to both. I don't, I don't really mind either way, but if you're comfortable, say these words after me out loud. It's a sentence at a time. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on Friday. Thank you for rising on Sunday. This Sunday, today, I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. I decide to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, I have a brand new start. Thank you for hope. I give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.